Welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast about scenic automation and other cool tech. I'm Cody Green. I'm Christian Bassey. And I'm Mike Wade. Welcome to December. Woohoo! <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, when we're recording this, it's we're right on the heels of it. Yeah, that's it's imminent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It was even snowing today in New York. So <laughs> pretty much means it's Christmas time. Yeah. Um yeah, we got some cool stuff to talk about uh, that's been going on. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, product development finishing up for the year. Yeah, yeah, we really like pumped <laughs> in right at the end. Like, just we need to check some boxes. Yeah. We have to. <laughs> yeah, and that first one being the Spotline V2. Yeah, yeah, the Spotline V2. That's been a, like my um, main. Well, I guess we've been, I've had to pick it up and put it down because of lead times uh, uh-huh. for all things. But um, we finally, I don't know, about a month ago, got everything in. Um, yeah, and so I was up back up at the shop for, I don't know, I guess almost two two full weeks. Yeah. Um, just kind of beating on it and doing some testing, doing, you know, just trying to see fit up and make some tweaks and mods and stuff. Um, yeah, and changing a bunch of things. Like every ye- couple hours, it <laughs> seemed like you were you and Brian and uh, Harry were like taking it apart and reassembling it with new pieces. That is, that is true. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, We are trying some new fabrication techniques and with new fabrication techniques come new challenges. (laughs) Um, So yeah. So like from the like gear train and, you know, kind of like PT side of things, we're all pretty dialed in and looking Mm -hmm. pretty solid. Um, Like we, got the new 10 inch drum made up and gotten through all the, you know, Brian totally like knocked that out of like figuring out how to make these new larger drums, um, on the Haas, which has right. been super badass. That's really, cool. um, yeah, yeah, they're fuck. They're sweet. Um, and then, you know, we've also like started to integrate some like load cell stuff and we got through, you know, the control side of that, which has been awesome. Um, and then, uh, then yeah, the frame, around all of those other cool bits has been the main challenging um thing because mm-hmm. we're we're trying to lean into our strengths and you know kind of go away from some of the older techniques that we use on v1 mm-hmm. to like you know like if we can figure out how to like save some money in this camp then we can like pump some money into the new uh features and things that we want the the hoist to right. do so like you know uh so we kind of went away from the aluminum water jet pieces and then we had kind of like the cross tubes with mm-hmm. the schedule 80 aluminum and like big threaded rod pieces and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Those, you know, go together pretty decently well, but, you know, they take a little bit of time. And then on the manufacturing side, we just like aren't totally tooled up for um, like it's a fair amount of lathe work and truing and um, right. things like that. That is, you know, with our current, shop that's all manual uh manually done and so like in the shadow of the haas just behind literally. it we have our yeah. yeah literally in the in our shop there is right behind it we have our lathe which is totally capable and totally great but like it's you know trying to find some methods that are more uh Faster, robot friendly to produce <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah so the new frame is uh, you know kind of instead of the aluminum plates that also that was the other thing is the like aluminum water jet that we've been getting has just been exorbitantly expensive 
uh-huh. questionable lead times and I guess also similar questionable quality of it coming in and like the QC process has been a little frustrating on that front right as mm-hmm. of late so we thought we'd uh, give it a go with some um, bent sheet metal like upright plates mm-hmm. and then uh, structural members like tying them all together um, that are you know more off the shelf sort of known shapes that then we cut and drill and make the you know bolt mm-hmm. patterns and things into to like tie everything together um still sticking with the kind of like the key thing of it being a weldless design uh, right. just because that's just you know, easier it's easier like all the components flat pack on our shelves it stores better it's mm-hmm. you know it's just like all once we are in the world of totally weldless then like our second ops and then our like powder coating anodizing you know those sort of things that we really love to do also get easier and mm. less expensive because you're not hauling around big welded frames winch frames and stuff right um so all of those things to say yeah we've had some some struggles with just what those cross members are and how mm. to get strength back into the frame mm-hmm. um which you know it's kind of interesting we've we do our best to, you know, run the numbers, do the simulations, get everything all where right. we think it's going to be great. But then out in the real world. And then the real world comes along. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so specifically the first the first crack was uh, trying to use some uh, angle, mm-hmm. some like three inch by two inch by three sixteenths wall angle to tie mm-hmm. between everything because like oh yeah if we go those flanges out then it's super easy to bolt down right super you know like easy to attach everywhere uh and there's mm-hmm. like you know just holes to go right through um and you know from a sim standpoint we were looking pretty decent like on mm-hmm. you know on our e-stop loads and any sort of deformation and you know trying to make sure we're still adhering to uh E 1.6 and mm-hmm. like you know two times e stop load no permanent deformation and you know mm-hmm. all the all the things we try to follow with um, right any of the machines we design um and you know ran things you know we did we were right on the edge uh after we kind of like dug in a little bit deeper so we were like you know what like the 316 is just not enough like mm-hmm. to get the the optimal bolt patterns down, you know, it got, it started to get very specific uh about where you could attach down. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, ah, we should bump that up. So we did that. So that was the first change was like, we'll just same things, but just get a little bit more, you know, section depth on those angles. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're like, okay, cool. Sweet. Like all the Sims look good. Everything seems sweet. Go to build them. And uh, you know, largely it did decent, you know, you bolt it down and, it's fine. You know, there's, it's a little pliable, like when, you know, you're fully loaded and, you mm-hmm. know, you don't see any like movement or anything, but it's just a, it like the thing that you feel in the hand of like, ah, it's just mm-hmm. a little bit like, t- like not tight. Like you can kind of like mm-hmm. put your body weight into it and uh-huh. like make the like frame move a bit. Mm-hmm. And then we started like investigating a little further mm-hmm. and starting to get a little more scientific with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, scientific sounds really pretentious uh we were just trying to <laughs> yeah, test specific. it you know just getting specific yeah. with it we were bending it yeah <laughs> yeah we yeah started like you know clamp a couple corners and do a pick with like on one of the corners and like with uh a scale on it to see like how much weight 
deforms the frame and how much you know what's the real mm-hmm. thing and we kind of just found like ah this probably isn't enough like mm-hmm. it didn't feel like you know when it's all bolted down everything's fine and like it can handle the loads and it would be able to do the job but like just the like but the feel pulling it on and off of pallets it uh-huh. feeling secure like you not accidentally like fucking you know dropping some shit on it or dropping it off of something or you know rough handling mm-hmm. it just felt like this should be a little bit more solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, yeah. So then we, we chased that a bit of like, what did we have at the shop versus what kind of shape and wall, you know, member is going to get us there to like, just feel solid, um, mm-hmm. which in sounds easy, but like <laughs> at the point of like, I don't know, like clearly the simulations and things that we were, you know, the analysis that we were doing before, was great for those sort of like far end of extremes of um deformation and things but then like mm-hmm. we we're kind of like at the moment we're like well we can either like hit the brakes and mm-hmm. go back and really try to test and figure out which tree to shake and test a bunch of shapes and you know spend mm-hmm. days in the cad world or we can walk <laughs> over to the shop and see and like just swap it out yeah so we we just started doing that um we uh swapped in i think the first one was uh, like an inch and a half by three inch rec tank like a uh, rec tube i think by eighth eighth wall and okay. we just like bolted those to the sides mm-hmm. and that felt pretty good like right off the bat mm-hmm. like okay mm-hmm. yeah this you know because there was also the open question of like whether the flex that we were seeing was in the tube versus in the the plates Plate. yeah the plates um so we kind of went down two paths there we were like we'll start trying some tubes and then we'll also we had a second set of the plates uh from like an earlier version of the oh, uh-huh. upright plates and we're like cool well, let's like add a fold like essentially what in real practice would be another fold mm-hmm. to like the tops of it to like close the shape of the bent brackets as well instead of being like mm-hmm. a u they were kind of like um almost like a box with one side missing, you know, kind of just like yeah. cap the tops mm-hmm. um, and then just start like shaking it out and see what, what, uh, what we can, what works, what doesn't. <laughs> um, and I think we kind of ended up finding out through some trials. Uh, it was kind of both, uh, <laughs> both. It was the long members of the angles uh, being quite twisty um, okay. and like the self weight of the machine and your own ability, like, you know, you can lift just kind of putting your arms on it and like wrenching mm-hmm. up on it. You could get some movement in the angles. And then mm-hmm. we switched to those inch and a half by three eighth wall tubes. Mm-hmm. And like we I don't remember exact measurements, but it was probably like 60 percent of it went away. 67 percent of it went away. That seems significant. Yeah. Yeah. It's really OK. So cool. It's the shape. It's the shape of the crossing pieces just because like the angles aren't aren't up to it. Like when mm-hmm. not attached down right um and so then once we knew kind of like it seems like rec tubes you know probably the path we're going to go down um Mm -hmm. then it was just an exercise of like which what member is right um and then we did like a little bit of math and a little bit of analysis to just see like from an attachment point what would do it Mm -hmm. um and then then there was a little bit of that like a like that kind of hard to track down like Okay, but which one's going to be the best for the twist? <laughs> right. Um, the, the twist in the sheet metal and through the drivetrain and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we we, t- we tried inch and a half by inch and a half, like three sixteenths wall. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then what we found there was just that it's at an inch and a half tall, like getting any bolt pattern going into the flanges of the frame. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get the bolts separated enough from each other. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to do two and get them kind of in a offset from each other vertically. And like you still like mm-hmm. start yanking on it and you can just see them like sliding against the plates because there just wasn't mm-hmm. enough surface area. Uh-huh. So then we stepped it up to two inch by two inch uh, 316 wall, which I think is where we're, we're going to land um, because that was super, super stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little bit of a debate of like three sixteenths versus quarter. Quarter seemed like pretty over, like just it seemed like uh like overkill um, okay. for what we were trying to do, and just kind of like mm-hmm. made the makes the machine very heavy for heavy. not much yeah. g- gain. Um, self weight, <laughs> self weight. Yeah, it's self ballast. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So yeah. So then we then we made up some of those and uh, modified the plates to accept like a different bolt pattern mm-hmm. and. Uh, with the two by two and that actually was awesome. Like that was like 70% of the 75% or something of the def, like your ability to twist the frame when it wasn't bolted down mm-hmm. was gone. Um, and then kind of like side by side to that, we also tested out those um, plates with the tops, like folded over and welded. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that will take out that other extra bit uh, through some of the tests we we're doing with that. So it's like, kind of a twofold approach of just like adding some stiffness into the shapes of the bent pieces and then Mm -hmm. like changing out the 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 shapes on the sides yeah and at the end of it we have pretty solid uh frame like outer frame was looking Mm -hmm. pretty good um the other challenge we ran into too was the Mm -hmm. torque arm so like with v spotline v1 we were taking the you know scw motor and just like bolting it straight to one of the like upright plates um mm-hmm. and that's what resists the twist is those bolts through the main plate okay. um and then with the new um desire to have uh load cells integrated mm-hmm. we gotta we have to float that motor onto an arm that then it's like rigid attachment oh. to the frame uh-huh. is the is the like load cell mm-hmm. um and like it's not all it's also not just the motor it's the motor and the load brake so mm-hmm. that you can detect load even when it's in a when the brakes are locked mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like this whole little motor dense carriage of you know your load brake an adapter plate and then that bolts straight to the side of the um gear motor mm-hmm. and then the gear motor has an, a plate that comes down to receive the load cell and that's like your locking pin mm-hmm. um and the first version was like another bent plate um and it just flexed too much like as you were doing stuff you could watch the motor just kind of like wobble back and forth Mm. okay yeah that's not what you want that's gonna be trouble like no one wants a wobbly smokestack on their spot line so Mm -hmm. let's like take another crack at it um and then there was like a few different versions tried of um like harry quickly came up with some like versions that we could test out um, mm-hmm. with some like guidances from different load cell manufacturers of like, if you're having problems with them um, loading, you can like do rod ends into the ends. Cause we kind of like the S style load cells. Okay. Uh, which we're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess that seems more direct path and you can like grab that bit of the load cell mm-hmm. more specifically. Um, 
And then in practice, what that meant is it was really awesome right through there. And then all of the axial lock axial locking in was just totally open. You're like, ah, mm. shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, great. Now one direction is really good. And now the other direction is really bad. Mm. So then we like jettison that and then um, kind of went down the path of like, let's just get like a big ass block of aluminum that we have sitting on the shelf and drill yep. some specific holes in it. And then another one to receive the other side of it. And then just like, <laughs> we know that it's way overkill, uh-huh. but like, let's just confirm that it yeah. does it. Um, and the answer was kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because then it was super solid. And then the next thing just starts to lose. Right. Like, Oh, right. <laughs> and just following um, that path. It's yeah. It's just following that load path through. So yeah, so it was it was a busy week in in just like machining and t- trying and load testing and like full speed, full load, seeing what what we could do and like creating right. kind of tests on the fly. Well, and that was also kind of the benefit though is like we were able to do all of that. Mm-hmm. It was literally like disassembling and completely reassembling the spot line two or three times a day with these yeah. different tests to do these yeah. try these different things. Yeah, and the good news of that. Mm-hmm. Not that it's awesome that we, you know, I mean, this is just like the testing out a new thing is you're always going to learn some stuff and try some new shit. But mm-hmm. it was actually pretty awesome to see like, oh, all these choices that we've made about bearings and plates mm-hmm. and all these, you know, this kind of like, you know, not necessarily the specifics of those members because we were obviously working on that. But like, right. But the, the layout and the ideation of it was like, oh, this thing flies together. Like Breezy yeah. was like by the end of it, like, you know from complete disassembly to all the way back together and running it was like an hour yeah kind of max like <laughs> yeah the manufacturability is fantastic of it right which was like one of the main goals of the redesign yeah um but yeah so there was that and oh and then going along with that the manufacturability mm-hmm. bit of it we also oh, yeah this is exciting are are going <laughs> are going in a new way on um on our junction boxes yeah um which it's really nice looking i don't know <laughs> i don't know that many people get too excited about junction boxes but but this one is this pretty time, exciting it's pretty cool yeah um so like our typical way of doing things for the past several years has been you know we have this probably on most of the machines it's this kind of eight inch by eight inch by four inch deep sheet metal like clamshell enclosure that we get made up uh, custom bent yep. and uh, powder coated and printed on yep um and for the machines that it was originally designed for which i think was the spotline v1 i think um, so it it worked it's awesome like it mm-hmm. you know there's a pretty limited amount of stuff that's going in that box and the connections are like tied kind of straight in um but as we've grown and added sensors and added things and you know kind of put it into new machine designs very yeah and they all actually kind of needed some modification too right like oh we got to drill and machine these things that are kind of like these stock clamshells that we get to like add some din rail and add an extra hole and different mounting holes and you know kind of just like the hole bigger yeah and oh, for this one, we don't use that. So we got to fill that hole. And like, it's yeah. just kind of like, cool. We're spending like a fair amount of money on these fancy cases. And, and then they're... still having to modify them <laughs> once they're here. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I found some, well, we've kind of, for custom projects and stuff, been using these like die cast aluminum mm-hmm. um, 
enclosures and then mm-hmm. machining them up for any of the you know various little things. But um, I found some bigger ones that I was like, oh, actually, <laughs> we might be able to use these. And they're like a tenth the cost of what the custom bent ones. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is cool. So <laughs> there might be something here because like if we can chuck mm-hmm. a couple of these up in the Haas at once and do all the machinings in one pass and then send them out for either powder coating or anodizing for a tenth the cost plus at volume machining them, then we're still going to come out ahead and we get like a better kind of footprint. And then it's also a lot easier for the manufacturability of it too, is when we go to wire it. Yeah. I also, there's also been a little bit of a lingering thing of like voltage barriers in junction boxes. Um, Uh Not so much for like the, you know, our machines that come in and rep in and out and stuff like that. But then whenever we have a machine that's in kind of like a permanent install situation, if we want to use that same J box, there are, it gets into a gray area of like, Uh ah, is this really like, need to meet certain you know which standards does this need to meet and blah 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 and many have Mm -hmm. you know voltage barrier guidelines um so for the new one i like implemented like on the face plate essentially you have your two irc connectors for signal and motor Mm -hmm. and then um bolted to that face plate is a like aluminum angle that we machine Mm -hmm. uh and on that it's like it's your voltage barrier and uh, it has all of the room for your yeah, din rail, exactly. brake rectifier. Yeah. So yeah, and like for the spot line, it's got din rail and the load cell PCB, yep. um, and like a a bunch of extra holes drilled in it for like zip ties, so you can like essentially land in through your cord grips on the top and bottom of all mm-hmm. the holes of the cables coming in, and then put your service loop in, and then zip tie your end to these you know pass-through holes so yeah. that whenever you go to like service this thing or do the initial wiring you lose the screws on the faceplate and kind of tip it down and there's enough service loop and they're trained with like enough uh strain relief mm-hmm. that you can just kind of peel the whole thing out yeah yeah um and so the hope it'll be a little bit easier to for us to make them and then for if you have to service them or you know do anything it's just easier and then it's also easier for us to do more custom things when we're doing those custom things because right. it's just the die-cast aluminum, really easy to put a hole where you need it. Right. And you don't have to plug up holes you're not using. Right. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it. Oh, and the other thing that it does too is it mounts to the motor, which like oh, as right. we were talking about earlier, you mm-hmm. kind of have this like motor load brake sort of you know, with the torque arm with your load cell sitting on it, sort of like carriage that slides mm. onto the shaft and has to like naturally float just to make the load cell work. Right. And so from, you know, in the before, if you were going to make your machine, you kind of would have mech assembly would happen and you get the motor mounted on. And mm. either if that person was also going to wire it or you'd have someone else come wire it, that's like mm. from like the more electrical land, like depending on who was working on it. Uh-huh. And now with it all attached to the motor, you can mount the J box to the flange of the motor, do, do all, all the, the high wiring. voltage wiring, yeah. all the encoder wiring, like, you know, land your tails and stuff that kind of tie back to the J box, tie them up. And then the whole thing kind of slides on as one unit. And then, yeah. you know, the few things you have to land is like the proc sensor for the cross groove, uh-huh. which actually that, that actually can get tied on the, you can do that. You can base wire that and tie that back. It's really kind of the break is the is the only thing 
Oh, thing. and the limit box. The limit box. But oh, you can yeah. land the like RJ45 side into the signal and then you just have a loose tail and then you yeah. li- do the wiring in the limit box, not in the J box. But either way, it's... Yeah, like it's just so much more straightforward from like yeah. a process standpoint of like we get a we get a shipment of motors in they can go to electrics get their junction boxes and get all wired up and then just sit and wait and ready for you know assembly the next fab. Assembly. yeah 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 who thought it would be so exciting for a junction box <laughs> turns out us yeah yes i could kind of like it took me like i don't know when i actually got into it and found it and uh-huh. started working on it it was like probably two days or something and i could kind of tell i was at home uh-huh. and the like yeah, yeah yeah i'm still working on that junction box it's kind of like what the fuck are you doing and then when i showed up and i was like this is the junction box it was like everyone was like oh this is cool like yeah. <laughs> i was like yeah now it makes it took sense. a little it took a little more energy but i think this is going to be better yeah okay cool <laughs> yeah yeah and then we got to uh uh actually then take the spot line uh to uh to a theater and we actually got to try and uh, run it with uh some some more distance because we don't have very tall ceilings here for uh, testing in the shop. <laughs> right. Yes. We were like really pretty confident in its ability to pick up a block, you know, a 750 pound weight and raise it 10 and a half feet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the weirdest thing is that it there's just like another 90 feet of capacity on the drum. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> needs some consideration. Right. Um, There'd be a lot of pulleys to try and uh, get full travel here yeah uh yeah so we took it down to uh uri which i had never been to um me either yeah um jake the td there was kind enough it seemed like it was a kind of a dead day at the theater uh so yeah so we got to roll in uh myself you harry and Mm Bo. um got to play roadies uh and (laughs) unload some trucks with some giant concrete blocks as our ballast Yeah. yeah so we so we took uh Two mm-hmm. two one ton concrete blocks as the ballast for the spot line, and uh, loading those in and out of the truck, it was a uh, quite mm-hmm. something. <laughs> yeah, there was not a full dock, so we had a truck with a lift gate. Uh huh. Um, and then Bo, our new resident uh, guy who used to tour stuff, was yep. great to have him on hand because <laughs> we're like, you know. I think we're, every time we're doing it, we're mostly pretenders. Uh, I'll admit that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, like yep. it was awesome because he was just like man with a plan, like nailed it. But yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, we used our, our lift uh, gate as a forklift to like <laughs> lift the spot line onto the concrete block. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because Harry came in that morning before we headed out and he was like, I was laying in bed last night and I just thought about how the fuck are we going to get the spot line onto <laughs> the concrete blocks? Yeah. Like, I think we can use the lift gate. And then I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, pr- probably, probably. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it totally worked. Uh, it was awesome. Um, yeah. The trick was though, you had to get the lift gate. It couldn't be all the way on the ground. It had to be right. like, just high enough so you could get a pallet jack under something. And then you had to raise it up a little bit more so you could get the pallet jack all the way. And yeah. Then you kind of had to take like a running start to get it off. And then it like <laughs> dropped because the lift wasn't on the ground. It was, it was quite the process. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was running the toggle switch for the lift gate uh which uh-huh. i think in that whole scenario was probably the thing i was most qualified to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i'm fully checked out on the pallet jack uh nor <laughs> the concrete block moving uh-huh uh yeah yeah but yeah no it was sweet so we had like uh, like i think the grid there is at like 65 feet um yeah, so we were about to get like we were 
you know, between having a little dead space and our rigging and the spot line on top of some concrete blocks, I think we had a, a, our safe travel distance was right around 50 ish yeah. feet, yep. um, which, you know, isn't still isn't full travel, but was, you know, a far cry Five better times than... more than we could do here. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it was, it was cool to see it tr- do the travel, um, especially like we uh, didn't mention earlier, but there's also some new cross groove uh, detection on the spot line. Right. Um, which, you know, we have implemented a version of it, which was on the spot line mini, which was kind of like a roller on an arm that was like springed. And then we yep. had like a plunger limit switch that like, if you cross grooved over and it popped, you know, it, pushed the roller out that limit switch would pop and then yep. you'd get your fault yep um and for the new spot line we did a few things uh mm-hmm. to make that better we like added a crossbar across you know to span the distance of the roller to make the whole frame of the conveyor like the roller stiffer uh-huh. yep um because before you could get like one side to pop and not the other so you had to have like a limit switch Two. on both yeah. sides yep. um and so the new one now we're like tied rigid together. And then instead of a plunger, uh, like limit switch, we have mm-hmm. some proc sensors. Um, yeah. Well, originally two, cause we weren't sure if it was going to be stiff enough and then we made it and then we're like, Oh, it is stiff enough. So then we got to lose one. Um, and that works pretty great. Yeah. It's badass. Like the other thing that was kind of a bummer about the plungers was just, you know, you have that reset distance. And so yeah. you kind of like, even if you had it set great to pop and be really uh quick to set you know quick to pop then it was sometimes mm-hmm. you would reset your cross groove and it wouldn't have traveled far enough to, to then reset. reset the limit to reset yeah. the state um and the proc sensor it doesn't have that problem uh <laughs> it is super snappy and just resets super super quick and super nice um, yeah but it was nice to see it with you know 50ish feet of travel, travel. along the drum at load mm-hmm. uh able to see like how smooth it rolls you know what you know it does it still effectively cross groove like with mm-hmm. real cable and real load on it and like is it you know kind of playing with that tension of like run the springs really tight so it's not you know rattly or anything but then if you do that is it then you know too you know does the cable just squish into the roller too much to like actually mm-hmm. be accurate like and get to like dial in some of those um yeah like finer details that yeah cat is decent at but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's better to just do in person yeah um yeah and then also do some esop tests and do some full travel tests and um it was kind of also a moment to not just test the spotline v2 from the mechanical side of things and make sure that is all you know checked out and works yep. but then also use it on some of the newer controllers that we've been you know have released or are releasing um right yeah and so testing out the e800 specifically so uh because it's a new drive both for us and for mitsubishi um right and with this like, and we've been flirting with it like we right keep, you know we really oh is it ready it? yeah yeah like oh is it ready great oh yeah we'll use it and then we start using it and we find some things and then we have some back and forth and it kind of sits on a shelf and then it comes back in and you know yeah so and so uh this was a great chance for us to put some real weight on some real distance mm-hmm. and uh start trying to poke at and find where where it stops working well and uh right with, with our big concern being around the regen breaking 
and the brake resistor. And right. so we were able to start testing and uh, finding more places where we need to uh, do a little bit more investigation and find what the right brake resistor is going to be to be able to, you know, to be able to let the spot line lift more than 500 pounds at full speed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an interesting, it's an interesting jump because, you know, the old spot line was designed pretty conservatively. So there mm-hmm. was kind of a built-in overhead that, you know, on right. paper, there's more torque there than we're using for what it's rated for. Um, right. Which was from other limitations through the design. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to, with the new spot line, like increase that uh, right. to get closer to its full capacity of like the motor and the drum and everything that we're actually using. Right. Um, but between that <laughs> cool idea in the yep. mechanical world that I was uh-huh. stoked about uh, that went into a product proposal to then, and now we're using our controllers with it and we're stumbling into some new, uh, you know, challenges that that we haven't had we haven't had before uh with any of our stock machinery um mainly yeah like this new drum can also can lift more and yeah uh both capacity and farther distances so longer moves because it's right you know essentially you can descend a full hundred feet now which you yeah before you couldn't right right and longer faster moves down tend to be more uh, challenging for the drive to handle. So yeah, getting to uh, test that out on the E800 and then also comparing to the A800, because we also took a Pro 4 with us for the testing. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and, the um, Pro 4. Yeah. Just and have so, a s- small moment for that of <laughs> how cool the Pro 4 is. <laughs> the That hinge nice. on the front is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. We had it racked up next to the Pro 3, and uh-huh. we were like, oh, man. <laughs> Some great ideas <laughs> we haven't on this one. been able to sell that many of them because A800s are made yeah. of pure unobtainium. Uh-huh. But it was a nice moment for you and I to just look and go, ah, oh, man. Yeah, and then we made some cool decisions here. And then when we had to get in there to make some the change between the different brake resistors, it was like, oh, yeah, and this, you don't have to take it out of the rack. It just is yeah. so much better. Yeah, we were able to like essentially lay down the front and the back and take the lid off all while it was still in the rack and do yeah. all the servicing and it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. <laughs> like yeah. this versus the the we have the E800 in the Pro 3 versus that where you have to take that out of the rack so you can take off the faceplate, find a table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We use the Pro 4 as our table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pro 4 as the, the table and then uh somebody else holding the face panel so then you can work on the drive and it's a yeah. much better uh much better experience with the Pro 4. Yeah. Yeah. You have to take the handles off. Uh oh, yeah, and that's a different size. Yeah, you need yep. three different uh, tools to get into the Pro 3. And you need one to get into the Pro 4. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, Much better. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we did that to try the different breaking resistors. Sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we so we did that so we could uh, see some, comp- some comparisons. And uh, by the end of the day, we uh, started to get to the point where we're like, okay, we now know what the what questions we now need to ask and find the answers to 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 make this work because going into the day we were like we weren't quite sure you know it was still kind of nebulous about like where's the problem gonna be is there gonna be a problem you know 
Right. It was and very then, broad. It's like, yeah. will this work? And then. <laughs> yeah. And then by the end of the day, we're like, okay, we now know we need to investigate more the, you know, what is the capacity going to actually end up being? You know, what's the full speed? What size brake resistor? It's like, we have like three key things now we can start playing right. with the levers to to find the answer. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, and like, we're able to plot enough data, even with the not quite full travel of like, you right. know, what the low end is, where the middle is, where's the far end. So we can kind of like start to create some graphs and like do some projections to try and, right. you know, hit, you know, see what's possible. And then we can hit it with like a little bit more of an informed, uh, plan so that we can like really answer those questions in detail and then also you know be able to pick a couple things to you know different like brake resistors as Mm -hmm. an example like be able to pick a couple of them and then be able to test like yeah this one's gonna work that one's not gonna work and as opposed to you know just going like a box of them and like i don't know maybe one Mm -hmm. of these yeah yeah (laughs) yeah maybe this one will work maybe that'll work yeah now we got some some good info some good data yeah so that, I think that's all. I mean, that's most of what was happening in uh, Spotline V2 world. Yeah. And um, so while you were doing all of that, the other exciting news in the <laughs> development world is the we got our first batch of prototype stagehand V6 uh, PCBs came in yeah. this month. And, and they look cool. It looks awesome. Very cool. Yeah. There is so many LEDs on the new one now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which um, I realize nobody other than us is really ever going to see those, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, but they're cool for, I mean. Yes, they're very They're cool. there for diagnostics, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, way easier. I mean, hopefully no one listening will have to be asked the question of what lights are on on the PCB, but <laughs> right. if you were going to ask that question, it's much better now than just right. saying, hey, send us the board. We think it's dead, and then we right. have to wait, and like, there's a time between. Like, right. Yeah, so, so, so those came in, and uh, so now it's been... So you never get it right on the first one. There's always something, and so we've just been working through uh, those somethings and um it's really only been like two two major things the one was the uh voltage dc dc step down converter that we use on the board to go from 24 volts down to the 3.3 that the board uses was uh just soldered in backwards um so once we fixed that it all turned on first try that was pretty great uh and then some of the other things uh, still working out being like the oh when I was drawing the schematic you know it's like eight page, eight or nine pages and accidentally connecting some things to the wrong places or accidentally mislabeling something and then connecting it to the wrong thing and so it's just been working through those things and uh, and finding them and taking the note to fix it and then we'll be able to probably early January get the the second round, hopefully last round of prototypes, and uh, and be able to uh, put it into production. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty exciting stuff. I mean, I don't know if we've we've uh, mentioned it on here yet, or if you've been, if any of y'all have looked at our Instagram. I think Gareth posted up a little, yeah, short bit of some of the UI and things. But um, there's some some kind of really cool new features that are 
some of them found elsewhere in the spike mark world or honestly mm-hmm. you know that is all rolling back to the stagehand level which is pretty badass um, yeah and then also just some simple simplification so uh out of this back and forth we added the new screen which has so much more real estate and it's a graphic oled so we can do anything we want on it and yeah. uh through some back and forth we were like why are the brake test buttons separate mm-hmm. and yeah they were, and it was because of for the how they were originally designed back when uh pro 2 mm-hmm. i believe it's like well the stagehand card couldn't do it back then so right added in this these other buttons and this other pcb and that's been through a couple versions yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then this time we were like okay we're gonna eliminate the second pcb and then just move all that logic right on to the this new stagehand v6 card and then right do a little bit more testing we like and why do we still need those separate buttons why can't the why can't we yeah. just do it on the screen yeah and that one's a funny one too because it was kind of that moment where you asked the question like uh inside baseball these blue lights these blue leds that we've been that on the new pro 4 uh-huh. uh are a little bit hard to get they're yep. a little pricey uh-huh. and the first time they came in they were blindingly bright yes uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so they so been... bright <laughs> yeah and yes. so there's been an un not awesome amount of development of like okay cool well we already have to make a reversion version of the brake test board so like what if we threw some resistors in and like you know cool and then dim it down a little bit and then like oh what about these other lights and can we get these instead and there's always been like a lot of consternation about the fucking blue lights and so christian (laughs) very astutely was like can we just get like put the indicators on the like on the screen yeah and just have the buttons and then i was like yes we should do they might not be bright enough (laughs) crazy question though can we also get rid of the buttons (laughs) and was like oh actually yeah yeah and uh seems like it and so eliminating that second pcb and those buttons and those lights ends up being uh, i don't know a couple hundred dollars it ends up saving which is yeah like on the final cost of the yeah yeah and the real estate like just in the case yeah. like we've kind of like just grown with all the you know overrides and buttons you know i mean we went from yeah. only the two buttons up down for forward reverse on the card yeah to the pro four has seven buttons yeah yeah so like uh, you're like cool let's get let's let's do our best to get rid of three of those for sure yeah and the blinding blue lights and yeah and so now that's pretty awesome and then uh and that came out of like you know developing the firmware further and like getting to that okay now the brake test logic writing that firmware and also coming out of a similar process too is uh, there's now also going to be uh, a jog increment setting. So when you are locally jogging on the stage and uh, you can, you'll be able to change this value. And instead of jogging by like 1% at a time, it'll be able to increase, you know, by say five. So you, instead of going one, two, three, four, all the way to a hundred, you you'll now be able to change that increment number and so right. if you set it to like five, you'll be able to go five, 10, 15, 20, and so on. Um, Which, I mean, I think is kind of, is going to be, it sounds a little innocuous, but like in the hand feels pretty, yeah. it's cool. Because like, especially when you're trying to get to like that 50% speed on like a mm-hmm. winch or something like that, you know, sometimes you just are trying to get to that speed mm-hmm. pretty quick. And then if you go, if you do the knob too quick, you know, you get some of that debuff. Like, yeah. I don't know, like it, it just seems like per 
you like your regular use case, you can get a little bit more coarse when you don't right. really care and get a little to the speed that you actually want a little right. easier. Or for things that are like, um, you know, right. super low resolution and it takes, you know, it doesn't start moving until you're at 30% or something or, you know, right things of that nature. But again, yeah. just came out of uh, having the bigger screen with more real estate, with more mm -hmm. flexibility, being able to add in that functionality. And then similarly is the, when the drive faults, being able to display Ooh. on the screen what the drive fault is using them. Everybody's favorite Modbus. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, so right now on, uh, if you've got a stagehand with an A-series drive in it, that's, you know, that shows up on the keypad on the A800 keypad. But moving forward, like if we would go away from the A-series and, you know, pursue the E800 or, you know, any of the other, you know, going back to like sort of apprentice things, the D700, whatever, any of the Mitsubishi yep. drives that don't come with a keypad, you'll mm -hmm. still be able to, from the face of the stagehand, see what the fault is the fault yeah. is yeah so you don't have to go hunting and there's no questions you know about yeah. what the hell happened which is pretty badass yeah and just for you mike it'll even be human readable instead I of mean, crazy keypad <laughs> letters and numbers i don't know it's gonna take some of the mystery and the fun out of it though <laughs> have to get out your little decoder ring is that a t yeah. or a seven yeah <laughs> Wait a minute. maybe if i look at it sideways it'll make more sense yeah <laughs> But yeah, so that's been the uh, exciting uh, VNext development. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty, it's it's pretty exciting because you know the initial ideas of the development are these kind of like key features that mm -hmm. came around the you know board choice, the motion control like chip, and you know all of those things that we're also mm -hmm. still very excited on. But then yeah. now through the development, you get to start really getting like you know, which just keeps boring more and more awesome things as we're like right. getting to you know, get our hands into it. Right. And just be, having the flexibility to be like, oh, we can do that now because of mm -hmm. these other choices. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. That's most, that's, I think that's all the stuff in development land. Uh, yeah. But it's also been a very uh, busy support <laughs> month. Yeah. Mike, you oh haven't been God. too busy at all, have you? No, no, nothing. Just like hanging out, feet up. Um, <laughs> lounging at home. Yeah. Not in many states often. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the last like the last like six weeks, I like cemented my status with Delta again for next year and nice, nice. at Marriott. Nice. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, Wait, I thought you were a Hilton man. I, you know, I, I mean, I actually got both this year. Wow! Oh, wow! Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> got both this year. I don't know how it happened, but I did it. Um, apparently, I have spent many nights not at home. Um, <laughs> the yeah, it's been it's been a kind of a bonkers little couple weeks here. Like um, mm -hmm. we've had a whole bunch of things overlapped each other, um, and I mean, just like you know, I mean, starting out, we we did a we did a project this giant inflatable rotating soccer ball mm. um that um that uh our friends at stage machines actually did the machinery for because it was uh -huh. this ludicrous like 48 or 52 inch <sighs> diameter slew drive mm. <laughs> <laughs> like you know running from like from like a one and a half horsepower motor um and i'm sure agent just had 
on a shelf because he saw it on eBay. Like, <laughs> I mean, both those things, right? The motor yeah. and that giant slew. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and you know, and so we like, so we were trying to, he was trying to figure out, they wanted some, they wanted some, some you know, some like labor on site just to here in New York um, while it was teching. And then, and then it was there, it was for the world cup. And it was for the first day of the game of the World Cup, and it was at Rockefeller Center. Oh. And so we we <laughs> we teched it. I got there. I was I was at some gig and couldn't make it in to cross paths with Adrian. But I got to the warehouse where we were teching it, and um, <laughs> and it was like, okay, well, let's get it set up and start running it. And I start running it and. And it was like, I was running into some like weird position problems. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't spinning. You know, we were in this place where we had, uh, you know, we're tell it to go 180. And it went mm-hmm. like, Spike Mark said it went 180. But in reality, it was like, I don't know, 190, maybe 200. Uh-huh. And then the next time, maybe it was like 170. Mm. And then it was like, you know, okay, well, let's see what's going on. Like, let's see if, like, does speed affect this at all? Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Doesn't. And I was like, man, you know, I'm like, I wonder if it's something going on with the, like, with the encoders. It was like mm, off yep. the tail of the motor. And so I swapped encoders. I swapped cables. I swapped tails. I swapped stage hands. <laughs> Fuck all of anything got us to the end. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, like, there is something crazy going on. And while while I'm all of this is happening, they were trying to you know get this giant inflatable ball. It was like forty foot in diameter or some crazy shit like that. Okay, uh-huh. it was so big, big, yeah, big, big. Um, huge. It was huge. Lots of lighting, lots of like uh-huh. LED tape on it, and you know, in it, and all of, and like, I mean, just chaos. Um, and so we're like digging through, and I'm you know the the gig is like the times are kind of crazy. It was like, you know, lots of hours, lots of crazy Mm -hmm. hours in a warehouse at the end of the Brooklyn Navy yard. So it was like, was very cold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was very cold. Um, and, um, and in there, let's see, I was like, I was struggling pretty hard trying to like get some things troubleshot and, you know, I had like, nobody to help me. So there's like a lot of running around, like diving underneath the deck to try and do some, you know, check mm-hmm. some connections or something and mm-hmm. go back to the computer, run some cues, you know, and like trying to position scale things was just like a one man show it was just so craptastic. As mm-hmm. it turned out, Zep came into town for another gig that got shit canned, but only after he got here. So, uh-huh. um, so I convinced him to come and help me out Mm-hmm. And we struggled on the thing. And then like at the very end of like a really long day, we finally got some time to spin the thing around and we spun this, we spun this thing around, I don't know, like 20 times, you know, trying to position scale it. And we finally got, we finally got it to go, right? It was like, we ran cues and it was perfect. And it was like, it was hitting 360, hitting 180, which was all it needed to do. And it just needed to keep right. doing mm-hmm. it. And so we're like, fuck yeah. Wiped our hands come back the next day, run a queue, fucking didn't work. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, uh. you know, and, and we're like, you know, I'm like, man, like, I don't, this is like some crazy warehouse, you know, and they've got like cam tails tied into some panel that's, you know, questionable at best. And like, 
Uh-huh. The rat that's in there is the fuse on the mains is, you know, <laughs> smoldering. And it, so it's just like. And he was on a smoke break. So he was yeah. on a smoke break. <laughs> so then it didn't work at all. Um, the um, And so I kind of, you know, I was like, I talked to Gareth. I called Gareth because I was like, holy shit, man. Like, I'm, I'm like losing my fucking mind. Like, what is going? Like, what could I be up here? Like, I think like sniffs to me like we got a ground problem. Mm-hmm. And. And I definitely had it in my head that the ground problem was coming from the power at the warehouse. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, and but we couldn't we couldn't get anywhere else with it. We finally got to the place where like, you know, it was like, okay, the worst thing that we're gonna do here is just like, I'm just gonna eyeball it and we'll stop the, you know, manually stop a queue. Cause we could at least run it, but we we're right, just we're right. having like accuracy problems. Mm-hmm. So then we go to load the thing in at Rockefeller Center. And I don't think I've worked that long in one straight shift since I was at Williamstown. <laughs> um, it was a long day. It was it was overnight. Oh, um, long night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so, you know, so we got to the end and like and nothing, you know, it was going it was uh, overall it didn't it wasn't going super great. Mm-hmm. the whole load in um you know we hadn't even gotten power connected by the time i walked away in the morning oh and so it was like all right we're you know we'll come back later we come back later we finally had power we got things to move and it was uh it was we we're still like having the same positioning problems but we had absolutely no time at that point to do any troubleshooting so it was uh-huh. like you know how can we get this thing to run well you know i'm just gonna like peek my head out of the tent and i'm uh-huh. gonna soft stop it when mm-hmm. it gets to, you know, hopefully super close or close enough to the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole gig was like, this was all connected up to the AV. So, you know, there was like video and sound and lights and all that crap. Mm-hmm. And all of it was supposed to be going together. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> and so, <laughs> so we had, so, you know, so it was, it was just chaos, you know, it was just total <laughs> chaos. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was up for like, eight hours that was it and yeah it was like and outside right and it was like fucking 10 degrees outside it was so it was awful Uh uh-huh um just in in every case right you know and like and it was so absolutely just like beat down awful just like the Uh the hours the challenges that we couldn't kind of like you know like like couldn't we couldn't put our finger on like what was going on um (laughs) and I had Rada was coming in to the city for another overlapping gig. <laughs> and so I asked him to come in just a little early because like I was just like, I don't know, I was on like hour 36 or something, you know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I need I need some backup. Like it is, you know, there's a crew of folks, but like, but it's not, you know, I I need some help. So Rada came. He was there for the show day and helped me load out. And we managed to actually get some time to do a little bit of troubleshooting as we were mm-hmm. loading the thing out because the whole rig was going to Miami for a week to oh. do to do the same thing. Uh-huh. And um <laughs> and and so we finally like we're in there, we like get to the motor that's buried underneath this deck that's attached to the, you know, that's attached to this giant slew drive thing that's attached to four enormous mafia blocks uh-huh. like the whole thing was you know ratchet strapped and bolted down to i don't know like eight tons worth of steel and concrete 
Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and um, <laughs> then we pull. So I finally grabbed my fucking multimeter out after all of the shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And I tried, you know, checking between the ground pin on the uh, on the plug and the motor oh, housing. Uh-huh. And nothing. I was like, oh, it was a ground problem. Just in the wrong side. Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up like finding, you know, pulling open the J box on the, on this motor. Uh And sure enough, the, there was a ground in there. It just wasn't, it was the, you know, the terminal it was attached to was, was just stripped out and then actually pulled out. Like I just pulled the, the fucking cable right out of the crimp. Um, Mm. And so, you know, so here's why it works like twice, right? Because it, it was sort of there and then wasn't, um, but it was, it was pretty brutal. We put it back together and the, the dudes took it down to Florida and, uh, and we had a little bit of tech support from, from one, from one guy while they were putting it together. But then from what I understand, it actually just worked the way that we all expected it to like running cues (laughs) after that. So, ah. Jesus Christ. But like how three of us got wrapped into that (laughs) (laughs) for this one thing, you know, it was like, Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, you were, you were underwater and you know, I live here, uh, but we were all standing on like high alert for this other gig that ended up dying uh, and was doing all this work on that stuff that kind of in hindsight is quite a bit of a bummer because you were, (laughs) so underwater and i was just like uptown like yeah (laughs) yep so and i didn't hear about any of it until afterwards i was like i feel terrible like i heard about (laughs) how bad you how bad it went for you because you were just like just underwater and then like the day it was done is the day that gig did that didn't come to pass yeah and i was like and i was working on like fat fast cad for this thing that was going to come in hot that then ended up yeah. dying and i was like oh man yeah <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. i could have been helping mike this whole time uh, fuck <laughs> yeah i know you know i mean it's yeah it was, it's just the way it goes though you know i mean it, yeah. but at the on the flip side of it you know it was very like fortuitous that at one point zep just happened to be in the city for a gig that got pushed off right right and then because of other scheduling things rada came down to do the gig that that Zep got pushed off on, right? And so you know, so it just like it it was okay, you know, it was all good, right? right? Like in the end, and yeah. you know, had that other job come together, like all of that time would have been not wasted, super valuable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so this yeah. other, so this other job that both of these guys it was another turntable. This one, right. like a forty-eight foot diameter turntable, or some crazy size piece of you know piece of art um that we did i don't know we did some tech and i think we talked about it like last summer Mm -hmm. yeah Um, i think so yeah and when we when we did this job when we did this gig originally all of like the timeline was so fast that we just had four revolvers right right? just four or five Mm -hmm. horsepower revolvers and um to spin this i mean just like ludicrously heavy and yeah. enormous turntable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted, you know, in the end, it turned out to be like they needed to be extremely slow. 
Like, so we had done every trick that we could to get it to go as slow as possible. And we were still only with those, like with those off the shelf revolvers. I think like we were at like eight Hertz Mm -hmm. yeah, and that was like a little faster than they wanted it to go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so then the gig came back, you know, they, they wanted it, then it was gonna, then it came back to be put back in, um, in New York city again. Mm-hmm. We're in New York City for the first time. Um, and this all came around, I think, in the summer. And they, at that time, they were teching it somewhere in like Michigan, maybe. I think they were teching it back in Michigan and they needed the motors and they needed the motors like right away. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have the revolvers at that time, but then also they weren't quite the right thing because they weren't geared right, you know, all these things. So we like, we did some digging and we ended up making for custom revolvers with the with some Sumitomo motors because they we could get them in the time frame right but they were two horse motors um mm. but we but they were like we have this tiny little two horse motor shoved on the biggest gearbox <laughs> that will fit on the frame it's like yeah it's comical um those <clears throat> gearboxes are big yeah, like, when we flirted with the Sumitomo <laughs> folks about getting some motors, it was the notable thing that you're like, these gearboxes are fucking big. Like, <laughs> like they are just large. They definitely are, but you know, but they have like, I mean, the frame size, like on you know, the frame size on the motor on the gearbox, and you know, was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, we could get the correct ratio, which instead right. of like, was our revolvers like nineteen to one or something, right? Or it's 19 yeah. RPM coming out, or I can't remember exactly, but the whatever this was was like the biggest one we could get was like four times that. Yeah, you know, so it was like whatever you know, if we were 19 RPM, we were down at like five or something, yeah. you know, on the output. And um, and I remember like I was talking, I talked to Harry about it, like because he had some, you know, he had our contact with the Sumitomo guy folks, and um, and we get the end, and it was like. I had done like put together a gut check spreadsheet about like, is that two horse motor really going to do it? It feels, it feels really wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels really wrong. And the math seemed to work out, you know, and it's like, okay, well, we don't have another choice. So here we go. Um, yeah. And they got this turntable installed at Lincoln center and um, eventually got Rada got up there and bolted the four new revolvers to the to their stands and um only with a tiny bit of um a tiny bit of adjustment to the turntable framing with a grinder in a few uh-huh. places um uh the yeah. things just work that's awesome yeah. yeah it's like extraordinarily refreshing yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Especially right after the soccer ball. I say right, mm-hmm. yeah, like tied in with that. It was like, oh my good lord. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. what has happened? Um, yeah, so so it's kind of cool, you know, that we took basically this, I mean, not basically, we took a revolver frame and stuffed on the biggest gearbox we could get to fit on it. Mm-hmm. And and a and I think a six inch drive wheel, so we're like right. as much torque and as slow as we can get that thing to go. And I think we're rocking the thing at the whatever, like half an RPM. I think they wanted for that turntable. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice and um, slow. 
Yeah, and it's like it's something like twenty eight thousand pounds. Yeah, it's it's significant. It's really <laughs> um, yeah, it's big. And um, yeah, and they you know, and now we're like rocking it out at like at like I don't know, like forty hertz or something, you know, and it's like. Mm-hmm. So now that, yeah. you know, the fan is spinning enough that the motor stays cool. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just so much better of a band for the control yeah. to be in is, you know, like, yeah, your A cell isn't just on off. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So so that was really cool, though. You know, I think like out of all of it, you know, it was like this wacky. It was such a quick turnaround to get them. Like once we got the motors, we basically like rock those machines out and ship them you know to Uh, meet mm -hmm. their deadline in the summer and we never saw any of it after that until it came to the city like Mm -hmm. so it was it was it was great that it worked (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was really wonderful um but uh yeah so like some it's a big piece um yeah yeah and that was it right that was it nothing else Nothing, Nothing else, else crazy happened. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, our. I'm gonna. I'm gonna switch up the. Let's switch up the order here. So we got a. We got sure. a call from our friends at the in, at the George Street Playhouse um, mm-hmm. in New Jersey, asking for asking for some help on some on a on a new musical that they had going in, and mm-hmm. so like so you you know. They have gear. They needed to rent some gears. So I was like, sure, yeah, we could, you know, we could do that. I went out to the shop to go prep their gear, you know, to go like take a look at what they had and um and try and get everything together and, you know, make sh- do our best to to be in, you know, to be ready. Um and uh and so I spent a day out there, I don't know, well before load in. And um you know, found a few things that they were missing. I found, you know, found a couple broken things that needed to be repaired mm-hmm. or replaced. And, um, and so, you know, so cool. We got almost all the things together. Um, and then, uh, and then Zep went to go load it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it turned out that we were short, like the initial plan for where we were going to put the operator and where some of the, where the machines were going to go, where the stagehands were going, ended up changing due to other, you know, due to whatever quick change booths or prop tables and, you know, all the backstage real estate negotiation that always happens. And so we shipped, you know, we ended up getting more other cables down to them, do some other stuff that I went out there to help get some things like installed and tuned up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and we had not quite all of the scenery, but we had some of it. So, like, you know, we got the deck tracks rigged. We made sure everything was... Oh, well, they had done the rigging of it. We wrung out the bits and pieces, did some adjustments, wrote some cues, tested things, set limits. Everything seemed really good. And then, I don't know when it was, Cody, I wasn't... I think I was out at a different gig. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I got a phone call from them, and they were like, "Hey, so um, we got to move one of these machines." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty unfortunate event because <laughs> there was, you know, three deck tracks uh on stage, you know, kind of like one that goes stage left to stage right to center, and then one that was like on stage right that went right to left, and then one kind of like straight up center, 
and uh, from my understanding, they were like, and then there's a drop, so we can just stick that center push stick just kind of right upstage. Like, so you've got your one running upstage, downstage on center line, and then the push stick is kind of just, you know, straight center all the way upstage. Yep. And that's where the push stick V2 lived. And then the drop was put in and it was uh in that moment made clear that that was actually a sky bounce drop yeah <laughs> there um, was an rp and, behind the drop that was the screen yeah. yeah oh shit and then there's a very large push stick shaped shadow dead straight center like you know five yeah. feet tall yeah 12 inches wide um and that did not quite meet the artistic vision of the sky drop uh is what we were informed. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, so then I rented a car and drove out to Jersey. Um, one morning there was a, a narrow window for when it could happen. Cause they were hot and heavy in tech. Uh, yeah. And like just really in the throes of it. And like, I think since you had seen it and when I got there, like that theater was packed to the gills with scenery like super super full and like almost all of them had notes so you know like all the carps and all the show crew and everybody was all pretty much hands-on working on Mm -hmm. all the notes everywhere um and when i got there i was like oh i see i i know exactly what this vibe is it's like cool (laughs) this thing's gotta fucking move and uh you need it done like a week ago but now i'm here so like <laughs> i've got till noon essentially because yeah. it was like 7 a.m start time and they were like hard starting a tech that i think was originally a preview time like so it was it was pretty under the gun for them uh yeah to try to kick the push stick off stage either you know there were some ideas, but not. It wasn't totally clear from kind of the emails we had of like where it was exactly going. Like you had sent some sketches of some possibilities, and I had sent some sketches of some possibilities of like confirming what hardware they had and where it could potentially go. Um, and then, yeah, through some back and forth, we we're like, okay, cool. We think you have the turnarounds that you know on our uh, in OTS. It said, yeah, you've got these turnarounds. And we're like you confirm you have them. They're like, yeah, we got these. And then I went there and the shivs that were there were not the shivs that <laughs> were in the drawings that, um, we had tried to confirm that they had, um, it was some of their own homebrew shivs. And I was like, okay, yeah, well we got shivs and we got four hours. So like, we're going to fucking do it. Like, yeah, like, um, And yeah, and so there was also a moment too where there was an idea of kind of straight up stage of that RP. There was, you know, they've got some columns and then a brick wall, but there's kind of a space where potentially the push stick could go that was kind of like upstage three feet and over two feet. And it was like a moment where I was like, well, if we can do that and it can go in that space, then we don't have to re-rope the drum. Like I'll just pull two lines off of it and like, drill a hole in it (laughs) drill yeah exactly drill a hole in the drum and we'll be fucking done and Mm -hmm. you know we'll be out by coffee and they're like oh that'd be awesome that'd be sweet uh and then um so that was also conveniently where they had stored 
all of the bolts and all of the hardware and all of the work boxes were right in that same hole upstage oh, no. all the way. Yeah. So he moved all of those things and started, you know, I unrigged the wind, you know, unrigged half the winch, loaded the drum, was like about to move it upstage. And I was like, cool. And so like in that moment was the moment where I was like, and this is concrete. So like, do you guys have like tap cons or, you know, something to go into the ground? And then it was like a moment of like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And also, and they're like, but we can order some if we get it placed, then, you know, we can get it placed and re-roped and not do tension yet. And they'll show someone will show up with some concrete anchors. I was like, uh, yeah, okay, cool. Sure. Yeah, that might work. And then they called to try to get the anchors. And then the folks back at the shop are like, we, we definitely can't do concrete anchors into this floor because it's not our floor. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. Yeah, then that won't work at all. So we need to dump all the wire rope off the drum right now and like <laughs> kick this thing all the way off stage because like, like the, yeah, there was a moment where like, well, we could like if you rope it and set it then you know maybe we can come back and like build a platform that's strong enough that like tees off the deck and is like cantilever to be strong enough this like diving board for it to sit on and i was like i just take i'm reading the room here i, yeah, I think if i leave stage it there, left. <laughs> let's just go stage left like like let's just we have the known knowns of like i know what has to happen if i move it over there and if i leave here i you know I don't know that you're going to have a functioning center track tomorrow. Um, yeah, so we moved it and it was, I mean, all in all, once we had a plan and we kind of figured it out, uh, that was pretty decent. Um, you know, it was, you know, like this push to V2 is kind of sitting dead center around the ground row at this because the bounce is, you know, right downstage of it. Yeah, I hear and, you were on a lighting call that day, too. Well, the thing about extracting a push stick from the ground row is that you have to move the lights in the ground row. Um, So, like, there's no place else for it to go. We couldn't lift it and, you know, they're they're pretty heavy. Um, So we had to move the lights on, like, essentially from, like, the center line all the way to stage left for us to, like, get the winch up onto some dollies and roll it down and to the new placement. Um, and so I was like, I don't know, probably like two hours into that of like, finally got it in place. The lights had been moved, but I had gotten the new shivs in place, like laid out, you know, we were starting to fill the drum. And that was when I think the lighting call started and the lighting folks, uh, were none too happy because I think (laughs) their understanding of what was going to happen and what happened were very different. Uh, (laughs) i think someone came up to me and asked me who gave me permission to move the lights and i i didn't know how to respond to that uh because (laughs) like like i don't know the folks that called that said the one at the winch moved uh i can give you their names uh but i i don't know how productive this conversation is like the lights have been moved we have now run the winch over here there's some aircraft cable in the way I gave you enough space for the lights to go back down. I I hope that's okay. But also it's done. So like <laughs> like when I leave here the winch will be out of your way and there won't be a giant shadow 
in the center of the cent- of the drop. So I think lighting at the end of this is coming out ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, they were not. I mean, I don't know. Everyone there was. I mean, certainly it was. It seemed I was coming in fresh, so I was totally uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. But everyone else seemed like it was. It was had been quite a process. So I totally understand the uh, the stress of having to redo some work. But it was a very funny moment of like, yeah, the note was the winch is in the middle of the ground row, and I have to move the winch out of the ground row. So the ground row has to move. That didn't seem that crazy, but you know, that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, but yeah, yeah, other than that, I mean, it was, it was a pretty reasonable call. Like it was, it was a really hot and heavy, like five hours of like busting ass and doing it. But then, you know, like with a very strict timeline, because like, as I was finishing up, the operator showed up and like, we stepped through the show to, you know, make sure everything was all right. Added a little more tension after we got some, you know, we had a new cable in it. So I was like, yeah, there's probably gonna be some stretch. So like, let's run the show. Let's do some stuff test some limits make sure that the limits can do you know you can hit all the cued positions that are in the show without tripping limits and stuff and then at that point it was you know i mean they were just about ready to kick me out and i was like all right cool like (laughs) i can show myself to the door (laughs) oh yeah all right i'm out of here said my farewells and got out of there yeah so it was yeah it was not too bad but it was it was almost it almost felt like uh I don't know. I don't know what the right word. It was like almost like like a what's the fastest you can move a winch and re-rope it and have it work? Yeah. Like starting from like nothing. It yeah. kind of felt like almost like a tech challenge. Like <laughs> I'm glad you passed. I well <laughs> they didn't well, they actually they did call a few times. They uh my signature gave away my direct number. Oh. Which is <laughs> my yep. email signature. Yeah, I, ans- I answered a handful of calls that were honestly pretty straightforward, so that wasn't too bad. But it was like some oh. kind of basicish uh, spike mark questions about like, can we hit two goes? At, you know, can we hit oh. go and then next and then go, and will both the cues run? Did you try it? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Are you? It'll do you- it. Are you asking <laughs> like, because it didn't work or right? Yeah, that's why I was honestly I was like, did you try it? Like, because like it should, but like you, the question makes me think that it doesn't work. So, well, yeah, I'm super glad that you know it was such a it was such a funny team effort for you know for trying to for trying to help them you know get to the end because I mean I think you hit it hard right. That was a giant show, right? Yeah, and they were. You know, I mean, I think every department was, you know, behind the eight ball trying to get everything in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah, kind of good to sometimes it's refreshing to be able to walk in with, you know, a single focus. Right. Like, right. Gonna do this thing and. And then. Right. Be done. Like, I'm going to show up. And you're not gonna have to worry about this thing anymore. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was kind of nice. Like I'll solve this. The, it, there it seems like there's a myriad of things going on, but I know for sure. <laughs> in four hours, I will have solved this one problem for you. Yeah, which you know, which is good. So yeah, and yeah. and for anybody concerned, they did finally make it to opening night, and the show opened. Yeah, 
Who? Yeah, the uh, <laughs> so so then I think the like the last bit of shenanigans also was uh, well maybe not shenanigans. I think the last bit of on site kind of uh, we ended up going out to the Guthrie again this fall for the um, Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and um, and it turned out to be like that one also seemed to be like kind of a team effort. Rada went out there, <laughs> and then because of his schedule. Um, because of his get like he went out there and then I ended up tagging him out on, I don't know, a few weeks ago because he mm-hmm. had some commitment and they needed, you know, they were looking for somebody to be there to do some, uh, to take care of some notes. And all of this was like going around with, you know, they've got, they've got a super awesome operator, um, who's, who's still pretty, who's still pretty new with, running automation and so Mm -hmm. you know there's like so i think there was a little bit of trying to you know help help bring the confidence up with with them as they were you know as they were trying to as they were running things not that they had never run our gear before but it was you know but it seemed like it seemed like there was some overall some like hope to help you know get that together um and um and then let's see. And so we we did that. We did. We got a couple things in. And then, and then I think like it was like two weeks ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a we got a phone call from the ATD at the time. It was three weeks ago, and saying that the their automation tech uh, fell off a ladder and broke his foot. Mm. And so he's going to be out for like you know weeks, right? Like. And they were they were having some pretty serious problems. Like they were there were some challenges with their lift running. They had some other challenges with the turntable. Um, and then they were still also like having some like queue running, you know, show running issues. And um, which brought around eventually something. Eventually, we got to the place where they had a really big issue with the. They had a donut and a turntable, and their turntable had a real big issue. Like when you know more or less uncontrollable motion at the end of a queue. Mm. Um, Not what you want. No, definitely (laughs) not. And this, this brought, this all happened basically the day, like the day that Brendan went to the ER Mm. after he fell off the ladder, like, you know, and so it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of trouble happening and brewing and Rada and I ended up going back out there a couple days after all of this happened, just based on like timing and timeline and you know how it all worked out. Um, and um, we tracked down a couple, we tracked down a couple like doozy challenges. Um, the turntable, the turntable is this giant chain drive, it's like I don't know, it's like 24 foot or something or 30 foot mm-hmm. diameter mm-hmm. turntable, and then there's a donut around it, you know, there's like a six foot or an eight foot donut around it the donuts run with two revolvers off of a i think a a 10 horsepower a 10 horsepower drive with a state with a mini with a mini squared Mm -hmm. running it Mm -hmm. the turntable's running with uh it's a 10 horsepower motor and it's a chain drive around the outside edge like a Mm -hmm. double like a dual 35 i think chain it's big um and um and that's running with a from the mini and it's a 
it's a house built like or an old Hudson built like a 10 horse drive on a piece of yeah. you know on a on a board um and <laughs> and we got there and we ran the turntable and it was like well, I mean like this doesn't seem much worse than it was the last time I was here like not that it wasn't great like it's not perfect but it's also like it's not the like it doesn't seem too bad and then we ran the turntable and the donut together mm. and then the shit hit the fan um <laughs> it that was, was trouble. like the donut was fine the turntable was like shaking and oscillating and like popping and cracking and it sounded like I mean, it sounded fucking awful and then it got uh. towards the end of the queue and it launched at full speed and went like Ugh. feet past its target. You know, it was Not like we were like spinning to like 180 or something, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and it went and just launched past and like visually looked like it got to like 210 maybe. Mm-hmm. And Spike Mark was happily flying the flag of 180 degrees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, like something something has really gone sideways, you know? So mm-hmm. Rada and I were both there. And so we like started digging in. We looked at like the mechanics of the turntable. Cause it sounded, I mean, it just sounded fucking awful. Like something was like, like many things were banging and crashing. Right. And mm-hmm. so we checked out the mechanics. It's, nothing looked out of place and it ran like reasonably fine on its own. So it was like, I don't know, man, like I think we're barking up the wrong tree, you know? We checked out the motor. We just double checked, like having just, you know, had that challenging experience with the loose ground wire. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a, this is totally a ground problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't. <laughs> um, and um, and so we like, you know, we're just trying to like, like what, like what the fuck are we up against? You know, like so we started digging around and they had a spare stagehand pro. Mm-hmm hanging out so it was like okay we're gonna take that let's just put that thing in and let's see if we can cut out some of the challenge we put the stage and pro in and everything was perfect um it just ran like <laughs> as best as it, it ran better than it has in two years like and we're huh. like what in the fuck like <laughs> yeah like what what happened like what is going on and it was like a day and a half later, maybe a day later, as I was like digging around in this in this rack where the stagehand mini was that was running the turntable. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the stagehand mini is in a rack with a motor twofer box that's like a 3U box that, you know, mm-hmm. takes the motor input from the fucking 20 horse VFD or 10 horse mm-hmm. VFD and splits it out to two motor outputs and there's like a coil of cable also hanging out like then next to that box a Mm. coil of motor cable and suspiciously there was also a coil of signal cable (laughs) on top of the motor cable (laughs) it's like oh i think we might have found the problem (laughs) But we never, you know, honestly, like we got everything functioning with uh-huh. the with the staging with a pro, and we just left it. Yeah, you know, because it was like we don't Working. forget it. I'm not gonna yeah. like we're not gonna go back. Well, we had intended to go back, but then we kind of got our ass handed to us by their 
show by their by their lift that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that we had like lots of you know lot there were lots of things going on with that and uh-huh. it's like uh is a single cylinder running a cable lift two to one the hard way so we're pulling as we're retracting the cylinder we're lifting the we're lifting the platform mm-hmm. um and and man it was tough like they had some like they had some big problems like the lift dropped like an inch or two which was like the final straw for the lift you know a couple days prior to us getting there um for them using the lift in the show because they were like we don't we don't feel confident that it's you know mm-hmm. that it's working and that it's safe um and so we started doing some looking and we're like you know it's a pretty beefy cylinder it's like a four inch bore cylinder mm-hmm. and you know so it's not nothing and like an 80 84 inch stroke maybe so like some real serious stuff going on and there's a counterbalance in there and there's a proportional directional valve and then we start like looking into the things and like the yeah you know, we checked like mechanically with the with the staff you know with the with the Guthrie staff, like we did some quick checks to make sure there wasn't anything like stuck or, you know, cables ruined or anything and everything looked mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So we like, so we on paper, it sounds like this thing's got, you know, normally the woe is like, do we have enough like power to do this thing? Right. Like, and there's plenty is, of power. <laughs> there seems like there's plenty <laughs> of power in the system. Yeah. And there's, there's a giant HPU, um, right? Like a pressure comp dual motor, HPU in the in the other room, so it's all hard piped. Right. It's hydraulic. in that pump room, kind of mm-hmm. like off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know, so we're not like, and the pump was working, right? Right. <laughs> so like that also, well, all of it was trouble. like, yeah, like you know, so okay, good, good. We're like all the things that should be happening, and then we kind of started taking a harder look at the at the valve and the plumbing of the valve. And we're like, man, this valve is giant. Okay, mm-hmm. What is this? Like, let's look this thing up, you know? And it's like a 53 gallon per minute proportional valve. Mm. And like on the fastest move that we could use, we needed like, I don't know. It was like something like 15 or 18. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then upon further inspection of the, of the documentation on the valve, there was this massive dead band on the, from zero on the valve. Right. So like really the valve doesn't open until there's like 15% speed signal. Mm. Yeah. So like just as a quick take, right. If a hundred percent is 50 gallons. Yeah. 15% is like seven. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so like the slowest we can go is seven it's like a flow of seven gallons per minute. Right. Um, And so, you know, so these things all kind of get to this place where like, you know, you've got this, we've got this flow that is, that's a challenge to get moving, you know, to get enough flow to get the thing to move and like to get enough speed to get it to move. So we're like struggling with the PID loop on the stage hand. How fast are we going? How slow are we going? And, you know, so we get into these like crazy places and then, the lift, the cylinder's got a counterbalance valve on it, which is like basically a holding valve 
right? Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, also a it's also a check valve in there, <clears throat> um, and you can set the pressure release for it. And we were struggling, like we got the pressure release kind of set right. Um, and the folks at the Guthrie had done basically the exact same thing that we were doing right now. And they, you know, and they were running into all these, all these challenges too. Um, and so I finally, like, I finally looked up the counterbalance documentation to, and I think if I was reading it right, I came up with that counterbalance valve is meant for like, uh, its pressure rating range is a thousand psi to four thousand, mm-hmm. and if my math is right, we needed like four hundred psi to move the lift. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so like so there's so like, a nigh unattainable band in the middle of all of these different devices of where yeah. the lift really needs to run. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You know, and so like, you know, so we're like, so we're, you know, Rada and I were kind of like scratching our heads and the, and the, and the Guthrie's got a whole lot of hydraulic parts hanging around, but they're all just Mm -hmm. parts. And, you know, none of us, like neither Rada nor I, nor anybody who was, who was around, you know, who was there really had a, like, had a grasp on what all the pieces were Mm. and where to find stuff. So we're like, okay. Oh yeah. And. Uh, yeah, and we uh, and we ultimately also going back to the counterbalance valve had the vent port on the counterbalance had been plumbed to one of to the opposite side pressure line. Mm-hmm. So like, so what was going to tank was really getting pressure on the backside, and it was getting a lot of pressure. <laughs> so it was, <laughs> or or like a lot of crazy things happening um, that. Uh, that then we eventually did a whole bunch of, you know, did a whole bunch of adjustment and attempts and, and got the lift to actually move much better. And we figured out that I think due to all of these, like all these like little bits of challenges of pressure and flow and all that stuff that like that lift didn't go slow Mm -hmm. was basically (laughs) the end, right? Like it had been cued and we were trying to like make it go slow and that slow moves were just, were just not working very well. And so Roddick like cranked it up to 11 and we got the thing screaming up and down, but it was very smooth motion because we just, uh, you know, we just ignored that dead band in the middle. Right. Right. There was no, like, we're not trying to go slow and we're not trying to like delicately flutter the, the valve open to keep it going slow. We're just (laughs) going pedal to the floor, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so that was, I mean, that was a couple days worth of like, of there were a couple long days and like winding in with other events that were already scheduled in the space, you know, around the holiday time and in performances. And so Rada and we ended up sticking around, I ended up sticking around for like three extra days and Rod ended up sticking around for an, a whole other day while we just tried to like get everything to work. And, um, and then, and then fortunately everything on the lift side of things was working, you know, like works really well. They put the lift mm-hmm. back in the show. 
everybody seemed pretty happy about it. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, so, but it's been, it's been quite a time. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned a really important piece to the puzzle for anybody out there listening, Mm -hmm. who's doing hydraulics. If you've got a pump that needs to be turned on before you make a move, you have to turn the pump on Mm. or it doesn't go. It won't. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, there were a couple moments there in like trying to run, you know, we were like doing some tests, right? Like after we had done this we had the, Mm -hmm. we had the folks from the show crew in the stage management and a couple of the, couple of the other people and we're trying to run cues and they were running, you know, they were running cues like out of order in the show sequence just to try and run like a specific cue. And, and all of these cues had linked, you know, time links or completion links to turn the pumps off at the end of moves. And if you're not mm-hmm. running the whole sequence, you might not actually get the pump to turn on. Mm. And so then, you know, you take the automation cue, like auto, you know, whatever, Q400 mm-hmm. is the lift going down and you press the go button and the lift drops just a little and then position faults. Right. Because it sits on the, you know, counterbalance and there's no pressure to make it move down. And they were like, well, I don't know why it's not going. And then panic ensues. We're like, well, right. <laughs> I don't think the, I don't think the pump is on. We're like, no, 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 the pump's definitely on. I mean, could we just try it? Like, how about we just turn it on and let's see. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah. So it's been, it's been a very exciting couple of weeks and certainly the hydraulic side of things has been, I mean, you know, it's kind of as funny, it's this funny moment where, you know, that whole system was built, was purchased and designed around using two of those cylinders. Mm, right. On one lift. Right. So like, so you get to that place where, you know, I think it was also a single purchase. So it was like, you know, they weren't they weren't quite struggling with the same, um, you know, with all of the same constraints. And so they were mm-hmm. using a higher PSI and they were also had a, a significantly, a significantly increased GPM requirement, mm-hmm. yeah. which made it work pretty well. But then having the... You know, having the flow, the required flow, but still having these giant valves was, I think, a big, a big piece to the puzzle of the challenge. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, it's, it's one of those interesting things. I mean, we kind of were talking a bit about it with, uh, with Ben last month of, you know, the pros and cons of hydraulics in, in automation and like, power is no problem. It does power. It's got it like in spades. But then that, you know, specificity of parts and different components and, you know, being highly specific to each of its like deployments, like it kind of sneaks up on you like that. I, you know, unless you have a really good head around it, it, it is it can get pretty muddy pretty quick. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's it's a little more disconnected than than like a motor, right? Like than a winch. Yeah. you know, it's a, I think it's a little it's a little more it's challenging to kind of wrap around how each of those little pieces makes the whole and how they all work together. Yeah. Yeah. It might just be my like lizard brain. There's something that just always kind of makes more sense about uh, like electric motors and, you know, like kind of more standard gear 
trains, right? Like if you had a single 20 horsepower motor and you're trying to run like essentially a five horsepower effect, you could like add some chain stages or something or, you know, switch diameters at some point. And then it would, you you would get back to that kind of right band of uh, motion yep. for that power. And, you know, you kind of dump it in speed or, you know, in efficiency or something. And, you know, those seem seem more accessible to me than the like in the world of hydraulics of like check these 10 different parts and is are we all set on the counterbalance valve and the check valves and you know your hpu and all the things like it it, it does kind of it not that there's a right or wrong way to do it it's just it kind of seems from the outset pretty straightforward when you're going to the HP world, uh, to the hydraulic world. And it, you know, it's all kind of hard. <laughs> it's all kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And spilling hydraulic fluid is like, yeah, it's a, a rite of passage. You know, <laughs> what happened to you today? <laughs> I bet you can tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, here's hoping that January is a little quieter on the, yeah on site time yeah for sure yeah and and yeah thanks for uh listening all in 2022 i think <laughs> it's, yeah it's an exciting end of the year for us yeah for sure well thanks for listening everybody uh we'll catch you next time see ya bye see ya <laughs>